I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. That's fucking delightful. Jallow and Pritchard plotting. The Jallow will strike! In association with the Sun Community Soup Kitchen, it's Gav back after Sun's 2-1 victory at the Stadium of Light in the Championship playoffs in the semi-finals over Luton Town. Um, wow, I mean, we've just got to launch straight into this, I think, Chris, haven't we? Chris is with us again. Hey, mate. All right, mate. We're halfway there. Oh, and we're, we're living we are the halfway there. And all that sort of stuff. Yeah, this is the day after the game. I think if we'd recorded in the immediate aftermath, we both might have cried. I was very emotional last night. I'd had too much to drink. The game had just... I've, I've never felt such pride coming away from a game of football. Just maybe the playoff final last year, but this was up there with it. Like Just pride that I felt coming away from the stadium and having watched my team play the way they did in that second half was just unbelievable. And this team, who everyone keeps saying shouldn't be here, shouldn't have happened, this was a bit of a mistake, but we're there. They just keep they just keep getting better. They keep they keep proving us wrong. They keep they just keep putting teams away who like you don't expect them to beat. Just I, I'm I've given up trying to explain what's going on. I mean, <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> How are we two one up in the playoffs? I mean, oh, like I just I can't wait to talk about this game. It was for me top two or three days I've ever had in the stadium of light. Right up there. I mean, probably there with that win over Everton under Sam Allardyce, the the Chef United playoff win all them years ago. Um, was probably others which I can't think of. Maybe Burnley under Roy Keane, like you know, big big occasions. This was right up there, wasn't it? I mean, what a what a day, what a day. Well, it just feels a bit different, doesn't it? I mean, you know, it, I think it's got mm-hmm. that it's got that edge over some of them. Like you know, I've mentioned the Peter Reid days over previous weeks and. There was always that expectation about the Peter Reid team. They were that good, and we we blew teams away. Whereas, whereas this side are just doing it through. It's 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 really strange because it's a combination of sheer grit and determination, 
and fantastic football. It's got both of them. Yeah. And very rarely do you see teams that have both both of those elements. It's normally one or the other. They normally get stuck in or they don't get stuck in and they don't do that side of the game and they play they play wonderful football. But we, we're doing both and we keep coming back to the age of this team and the fact that we've gone through the back end of this season. And I've again, I've mentioned it before in previous weeks that you just keep thinking this is a step too far. You know, I, you might have thought, you know, <laughs> we lost three off the bounce late February. And then, yeah, I think it was uh, Stoke. Actually, Stoke were the third one in that run. We lost three off the bounce, Rotherham, Coventry and Stoke. And then you thought winning at Norwich is a step too far now. And then a few weeks later, it was like, oh, well, we have to we have to now get a result at West Brom. And now we have to get a result against Preston. And now we have to get a result against Luton in the playoffs who were absolutely flying. And we went through all those stats you know, in the preview, went through all those stats and Luton are absolutely flying. And then but they pulled it out and got another result coming from behind. I mean, you just keep thinking with this team, all oh, right, you know, it might just be that step too far. And they keep pulling it out and they keep digging out performances, you know, under pressure in these pressure situations and they keep pulling it off. Trey Hume, in the interview he did after the game, something he said stuck out when I think he said, uh, we don't fear anybody. Hmm. And hearing that come from a player... Like, and, and you believe it, don't you? You've got no reason to doubt what comes out of his mouth is the absolute truth. They they don't fear anything. They fear nothing. And that and I, and I said this the other day, like this makes us so dangerous. There's so, there's so many things that make us dangerous, but to me, being a team without pressure who don't fear anything as opposed to one of the other teams who ha- there's a lot riding on this for them. They have to get promoted. Borough, you know, Luton, this is their second go at it. Failed at the semis last year. They've had another good season this time round. You look at their team and you think, have they got another top six push in them? If if you know they don't do it this time, probably not. You know, so they probably have to go up this time. Coventry, maybe a little bit more like us, but you know, still been there or thereabouts for a couple of years, and their fans are expecting and buying into it. You know, and then there's us, just this team who nobody expected to be here. Nobody had any designs on ever being this high up in the table just going out there and and playing some amazing football and the confidence of this group it was exemplified in that first goal wasn't it for a player like Ahmad to just <laughs> there you go roll it roll it off and I'll I'll bang this top corner and he must do that in training like because the lads have obviously got faith so he must do that in training like 20 times a day yeah. and he does it here and you, you look at it and it's just it's like it's like a perfect perfectly executed routine something he's done so many times and and that carry on right through the game. The little patterns of play. Roberts nutmegging people like like it was the easiest thing in the world to do, which he does quite often. And um, Pierre Equar coming into his own again. And we we keep talking about how brilliant he's been. And we'll we'll obviously delve into this in a bit more detail. But like, there's another player who's been man of the match in the two games before this, and then goes one better again and plays even better in this one. And just everything's coming together. Like I tell you what it is right when I saw the team at at uh, an hour before kickoff. And I know, and I saw the defence, like that would have filled me with dread at one point, multiple points in my time as a Sunderland fan. I would have saw that and went, "Oh God, no, we haven't got any defence. We've literally got a right back and nothing else." Didn't, didn't bother us one bit. I looked at it and went, "All right, great, okay, we'll get on with it." And that, that's just that, that's just the way it is, isn't it? That, that's what the players are doing. They're just getting on with it, and I just, oh, I, I love this team, Chris. I keep saying it. I love this team. I've never been so invested in a team. Ever. And 
that was the whole feeling surrounded the occasion like you know and i think the extra couple of hours in the pub might have helped but the stadium was full it was rotting everybody realized that they had a part to play the big flag displays were fantastic and the noise even like i can't remember many games over my life where you go into the grass because i actually made sure i was in there early for once and uh i can't remember many games over the years where like 15 20 minutes before kickoff people are singing the concourses are buzzing and people are singing and it was everyone bought into it everyone got into it the players come out and must have looked at it and thought we can't not win the day yeah. I, you would like you know i don't know if you've seen that um on the road video that they did um or behind the scenes video what they do and like the players are coming out and they're just smiling and looking around Equa's totally like buzzing and Luke O'Nine singing the song that's playing over the PA system and it just it never felt like to me that we were ever going to lose this game it just felt it felt it was it maybe in the past Sunderland would have lost a game like this where the, where the occasion was overhyped it happened when we were in league one loads of times where you know everyone bought into it and we had a big crowd in that we would just fail but to me this was similar to the Wickham playoff final win last year yeah. and where going into that game I just didn't feel like we were ever going to lose it yeah and you but you know what you've you've kind of touched on it by talking about the that the player what, what Trey Hume said where he says we don't we don't fear anyone and that's that's true in terms of we don't fear any opposition but I think with this team, they don't fear any any situation. They don't fear the pressure. They don't feel it. They don't seem to kind of, you know, acknowledge that these are huge occasions. They just go out and play the game, and they just they just go out and do their stuff, which is which is refreshing because you know we've seen uh, like you've just mentioned League One. We've seen pressure like this kind of just kind of completely make some experienced players absolutely crumble. But this but this team goes out without any fear of you know they, they they almost think well we've achieved we've already achieved something this year so let's go out and just let's go out and just just play our game and i mean you know talking about the crowd and looking at the crowd you know we've had big occasions like that we've had we've had huge occasions you know we've getting you know we've getting almost full houses in league 1 and but what it needs it needs it needs the players on the pitch to do their part to to get the fans up for it because the fans can always be up for it to start with but you know, if the fan, if the players just don't turn up, I rem- you know, I remember the Everton Cup quarter final under Martin O'Neill, massive crowd, everyone's up for it, and after five minutes, you realise the players hadn't turned up. So the players yeah. need the, the players need to do their part, and this team, the, we're always behind them, and I mean, we'll, we'll get into the game, but you know, when when actually the, in you know in the first period of the game, opening kind of ten minutes or so, we we were actually kind of we were actually struggling a little bit, you know, Luton were kind of on top. Mm-hmm. But the the crowd stuck with the team because they knew the team were there and they knew the team would pull themselves out and, and pull it off at some point and turn the game around. And and when you've got that when you've got that relationship, it's not very often you get that relationship between the two where they play off each other like that. And and it was it was just brilliant to see. Just quickly though about um about the the team selection, um you're absolutely right. You know you know if we if we turned out with that team you know middle of the season we would have went hang on a minute what what. What what's he playing at? You know what, what what's Mowbray doing? <laughs> yeah. And actually, Trey Trey Hume um let it slip a little bit afterwards. What the actual the real setup was because he he said I think he made a point of saying Lyndon Gooch playing that left centre back, you know, on a side on, yeah. on, on on a three, and it kind of was, but it had you know it was that fluid as you said it was kind of that fluid look to it where at times kind of Roberts tucked in when he thought he needed to, and other times he was kind of way up the pitch and we played with a three. And he, he just played as a natural winger. And for, for most of the time, mm-hmm. 
for most of the time he looked like a natural winger. He didn't look like a wing back. So it was it was kind of and then you had Equar Neil moving across, you know where where he should have maybe been if he was a wing back. So it was all that fluid. And um, the commentator made a um, a comment about Tony Mowbray talking to him about a, a lecture. It was at uh, Luciano uh, Spalletti, uh, the Napoli yeah. manager did a did a a lecture or a seminar or something on on how like the positions are fluid and they don't necessarily have to be you know going back to the four four two and all this sort of stuff players in position, and it's it's funny how kind of Mowbray is tell you know talking to people about these things and he's taking these things on board because not not just kind of listening and going oh yeah that sounds like a good idea, but you know first leg of a playoff. Playoff semi final. He says, "Oh well, let's mm. let's do it. You know, let's let's go with our yeah. fl- fluid system." And and it came off. But uh, but yeah, I mean, just that again. It still needs that. It still needs the players' input. You know, whatever you're talking about, whether it's Mowbray's tactics, whether it's the crowd being up for it and needing to get involved, it needs the input from the players. And they did it. They pulled it off. Yeah, and the obvious thing to me would have been uh, probably pick Anderson. Because you know he, he is a centre half. You look at him as well, and he's not like a he's not like a little twig, is he? He's quite a big lad, you know. He's quite he's quite he's quite big, but you know, Mowbray is obviously looking at it and thought, is it actually that important that we have defenders on the pitch when we could probably just do with the experienced lads who know the system, lads who know the other players, you know? And that, that's again, we we've talked about this in the past where we've said, especially when we weren't. We weren't getting the run of results that we wanted. We were we were drawing games, losing games. We were looking at it and thinking, you know, why didn't he just change it up a little bit? Why doesn't he do this? Why doesn't he do that? But what he's done is he's just went all in on one way of sort of thinking about football, I guess. And um, he's looking at it and thought, well, you know, yes, they're a big team, Luton. Yes, they're, they're going to be a threat from set players and what have you. But this has to be about us and... If we if we think of it that way and we look at it as right, this is about what Sunderland do, then it it doesn't really matter because he's expecting us for the majority of the game to control the ball and to pass it around. And in those situations, you need a Lyndon Gooch maybe because he you know he's a bit more positive and he'll join in the attacks and um he'll overlap past Clark if you need him to occasionally. And when we've got corners, he can get around the box and get shots away and and, and move it quickly. So I I guess in <laughs> I guess in a way as well, you look at it. You've got to look at it and think. Well, Mowbray's at this point completely earned our trust, and if he if he thinks that's the way to do it, then I've, I'm not going to argue because you know, look at where we are under him. You know what I mean? He, he he's clearly very much in tune with what he does. So, like again, yeah, the team selection didn't bother us particularly. I look I look at it from he's been asked about Anderson a few times, hasn't he? And he's he sort of said he's not ready yet. Um, and and it is big. Big amount of pressure, this isn't it? Like, you know, you put him in. So you see, you put him in from the start, and that's his his proper debut for Sunderland, and he's marking two of the sort of most aerially dominant forwards in the division. In Morrison, is that Adebayo? So, mm. you know, they're they're good. They're good players, and that could be particularly daunting. We we've just looked and went, you know, is yes, we're going to concede that you're probably going to get some chances in the air, but. You know, if if we just play some footballers, we're going to play and score enough goals, and we're going to beat you over the ninety minutes, which is what we did. Yeah, well, it was interesting actually because I remember watching. I don't, I don't know if you caught them, but they showed some uh, clips online of the team 
training and the build up to the in, to the game, and it yeah. looked it looked like I think the short the shorter crack and go from I can't remember whether it was Ahmad or, or Roberts who pinged it in the corner, but what it looked like on there because I was expecting Anderson to start actually and play on the left because when you saw that it was all nine Hume and Anderson defending when they were training, and I actually thought oh that might mean. Anderson's going to get the nod, but uh, but mm-hmm. no, he went with Gucci. And I think the other the other thing behind that as well, because we talked about it in the preview. I think the other thing was I think Mowbray was desperate to get Pritchard in because of how he's been playing lately, and he he, yeah. de- he desperately wanted him in. And I think the only way he could put that extra player in kind of mid that midfield role is to is to go with three at the back because he, he wasn't dropping Neil, he wasn't dropping Ekwa, Roberts, Clark, and Ahmad are in. The only question mark was Gellart, and if he wanted to go with that kind of focal point up front then the only the only thing left was really to, to drop a defender and go with three at the back which he did which again a, another brave decision but I think some of it went into what we again what we talked about in the preview where we needed something different at home and and he did it yeah. he did it I mean a fair play yeah he did and and like I say we we at this stage he's he's definitely earned our trust hasn't he so you know you sort of when you say the team I had no concerns at all. I just looked at it and thought, and and it all feeds into this this feeling that majority of fans have got, where this is basically just a bonus to be able to even do this at this yeah. stage. So if we get beat playing that way, then you know no one's going to be sat calling for Mowbray's head. Other they're going to be they're going to be sat there thinking, God, look what we've achieved this year. So yeah, there was, there was certainly no complaints from me, and I agree with you about Pritchard. I think um, you know there's been times this season where I've watched Pritchard, and I haven't really understood his role um I don't think he has really I think he struggled more than probably anybody from not having Ross Stewart because them two just link up really well um but at the right point he's really come into his own in these last few weeks and I guess sort of um re-established that he is good enough for this level and he is good enough to play a part next season and uh, just over the moon, really, and I was glad to see him start because, I, yeah, I totally agree. He's been fantastic in recent weeks. I think a lot of the, a lot of the good, the good flowing football that we've played, a lot of that's come with him at the middle of it, and you maybe don't notice it so much unless you, unless you look back at the the goals in in full and you watch the way the moves start and stuff. But Pritchard always seems to be involved, doesn't he? So I, I wasn't surprised to see him start, and you got to be honest as well. You know, without Danny Bart around, uh, we're missing a little bit of experience and. Pritchard is the oldest player we've got available at the minute. Seems mad because I think he's thirty, and he's he's older by a couple of years as well than than O nine. And then after that, I think you know O nine's maybe got a year or two on Gooch, and then Gooch has got a year or two on Patrick Roberts. Like mad, isn't it? But yeah, Pritchard, the most experienced player, and it made made sense for him to start in the game. But yeah, you mentioned a little bit back there about the the way we started the game, and it felt like Luton. You know, given the fact that they've had three weeks four weeks maybe to plan for this because they, they knew they were going to finish third or fourth didn't they? they they knew they were in the playoffs weeks ago so they've had a they've had a long time to think about who they were going to play um, all the various ways that the various opponents play and how they were going to approach it and stuff knowing they were going to be probably playing away from home first um, Luton have had loads of time to, to sort of get their head round it where we had like a matter of days didn't we and it just all happened so quickly and the tickets went on sale and sold out straight away and it just felt like we went from Preston to this game overnight almost. And and I actually think that, although, yes, Luton started the game better than we did, over the the course of 90 minutes, the, the fact that we, we've we just had very little time to think about this suited us because we just, again, we just did what we're really good at. But those first 10 minutes, yeah, Luton were, Luton were the better team. 
And you look at that set player that they score from, and it is like, yeah, we, we are really positive about what we've done here, but it is frustrating, isn't it? Like, you know, it's difficult because I, I totally get it. We don't have a lot of big lads in the box and, and it's difficult to deal with a really strong team who, who are aerially proficient. But it bounces, what, three or four times before somebody scores? And that it is disappointing, I think. You know, we've, I think we've got to probably hold our hands up and say we've got to do better there. And I don't think the lack of height in the team is really an excuse because a lot of the time the ball's dropping on the floor. You know, you just got to get your bodies in the way you've got to try and get rid of it. But, you know... I just hope we're not made to rue that one come the end of the two the two legged affair. But yeah, not not great defending from us. No, no. And and just quickly just touching on what you said there about that kind of um that not Luton haven't had a break, but they've as you said, they've had that period where they've kind of they knew they weren't gonna get automatic and they knew they were in the playoffs. But you know, when 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 a side is playing on the edge for so long and then that drops off because you know they drew their last two games against uh, Blackburn and, and Hull. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. and it's really difficult for sides. You know when you like you've been playing on the edge for so long and then suddenly you drop off. It's difficult to just to pick it right back up again and get back up to to the levels where whereas be- We we talked about this didn't we when we yeah. were talking about the way that how we would have preferred Sunderland to handle the the team selection if we'd been in Luton's position. So, you know, we, we I guess we sort of we, we sort of called this in a way. Yeah, yeah, because they, they made, what, five or six changes from the, the team that drew against Hull. But to just pick it up and get back to those levels again, and if you look at our running, because our running's been, you know, so kind of on the edge where we've had to get results to get into the playoffs. So the players have been playing with that intensity for weeks and weeks. Like, we've just continued that on. So we didn't have to pick it mm-hmm. up. We didn't have to kind of, pick up from where we left off a few weeks ago or something like that or get back into it we've just been playing at a constant level so we're just continuing on but but having said all that look you've got to admit that uh, the opening period the first well first 15 minutes because uh, I think there was a caption for the first 15 minutes that uh, 63% of the game was played in our third in our final third yeah yeah um, so you know it, Luton did get the better of the, the opening uh, period of the game and just quickly as well before I, I get on to the goal there was that incident with Gellart um, on Lockyer early on where he kind of I missed that by the way obviously I, I didn't see that because yeah, I was at the game but I didn't see it Lockyer was being his usual self um, and he was annoying in the, the first game at the stadium like earlier this season where he was all over the referee every two minutes but he basically went up to, to, to Gellart in the first minute and off the ball he just started grabbing him and he just started pulling his shirt so Gellard swung out with his arm and he caught him. Yeah. And you look at, you know, if that's VAR, he's he's going off, he's getting a red card. And I think he was, you know, the linesman didn't see it and we got away with it and, and all was good. But, you know, it was one of those moments that could have, you know, could have, it could mm-hmm. have changed the game. But you saw their intention from the start. You know, first five minutes, they put about four, five, six crosses in. They were getting the ball wide. And to start off with, Gav, again, and it's something we need to, need to be aware of for the second leg. We did something that we've touched on for quite a lot um for quite a lot of games this season. We we gave them too much time to cross the ball in early on. We didn't yeah. we didn't get we weren't kind of fighting tooth and nail for them not to cross the ball in. And they kept they kept putting dangerous balls into the box. But having said that, just before they scored, we had that uh, chance where Roberts cut inside, curled it to the far post. And then yeah. I, I still haven't seen an angle on why Gellard didn't Sticking in the back of the net, the rebound. I know it's just it's just that he it's just that his feet, isn't it? It's like he 
I don't know. I haven't seen mental fog or something. Like, just, from every angle I've seen, <laughs> I, I, I just think you've got to put it away. And I, I haven't seen an angle to prove us wrong to say, "Oh, you know, I, I haven't seen that angle. It was a few yards away from him, or something like that." There might be. If is it, it not just a case of like he just doesn't have the instinct of a forward? He didn't seem. On does, his, it's not there, is it? He didn't seem on his toes. He didn't seem like you know, no. like uh, when you watch a natural striker who gets those sort of goals, like he didn't mm-hmm. seem on his toes, ready for it, and I. If there's an angle out there that I haven't seen that somebody can can kind of share and and put it out there that oh it was miles away from him and you know he didn't stand a chance fair enough but from every angle I've seen I don't know how he didn't he wasn't kind of on it to put it in the back of the net but that but that was you're right that, that was only two minutes before uh, Luton scored and again we said it in the preview set pieces that was the main concern and. Uh, we were talking before we came on and, and you said it was their routine, knocking it to the back post. Morris was there. And if the way we mark as well, human Clark tried to run out with Morris. But when you're not man-marking, they didn't get close enough to put him off. And then yeah. and then human Clark were missing in the middle, so we've lost two players in the middle. And as you said, it wasn't, you know, after that, it was just a bit of a kind of, you know, ping-pong with Luton keeping the ball alive. And then Gooch and Pritchard got themselves into a mess where Gooch, I think, headed it against Pritchard. Um, and then, but Patterson made an absolutely fantastic save, to be fair, to stop the first one. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And they were lucky it just fell to them. But there was, you know, Luton won the first three headers on that corner. You know, came in, Morris won it, and then they won the next two. And then we didn't get a clear. And and, and, and it happens that that's what you do when you put the ball into the kind of the danger area like that. You know, all it needs to do is uh, is is kind of bounce the right way, but yeah, that that opening period, I thought I thought we struggled, and and we have to mention kind of, you know, that we had to adjust the way we were playing. Luton basically stood right on top of us. They pushed all yeah. the way up the pitch. We had to fight for that possession, and we had to prove to Luton that they had to be wary doing that, and we we ended up doing that, but it took a while. Yeah, I guess the one thing you could say is that we definitely learned from that because. They only had one other corner in the game, mm. and that was always going to be their big threat, you know, from from corners and stuff. And we we conceded only one more after that after that goal. So I guess you could say we did learn our lesson. And what we did was we just cut off their supply line. We didn't let them have the ball. We we dominated the ball, absolutely dominated the ball. And and this team have gone behind loads of times and managed to come back from from losing positions because of the they're just dogged. They're just determined. They they were never going to let us down. Mowbray repeated. He says this, but we were we're always going to score, aren't we? We we don't not score that that Burnley game away from home is the only time in about thirty games we haven't scored. So we we were always going to score, and we've got that belief. And all we had to do was just again we keep repeating this, but it's true. We just had to do what we're good at. We just had to keep the ball. We had to play good football. Keep the ball moving. Whenever we've got the ball, Luke haven't got the ball, and that stops them from being able to launch it forward, play along diagonals the ball out wide and force corners and set pieces. So I think from that perspective, yes, it was really disappointing that we conceded the goal, but we did a fantastic job from from that point of just stopping them from doing what they're good at. And I don't know if you saw on the, um, I think it was the, again, the, the behind the scenes footage that the club put out, but they showed Pritchard walking out alongside Adebayo in the tunnel. <laughs> and he was, he must've been about three foot tall on them. He's absolutely massive. And you can sort of understand why why he's caused so many problems in the league this year. He's absolutely massive. And yeah, he didn't it wasn't a header he scored in the end. This goal it was a he sort of swung a boot at it, didn't he? But 
they are a big team, Luton, and I think that that sort of summed up the the, the performance for me when I seen Pritchard walking out out of Bayou, you know, and our lads are all tiny compared to him, and we didn't let him get a jump, we didn't let him get near the ball after that, you know what I mean? So we we've sort of learned how to play against these teams. Preston was another one. Preston were all big lads, and we, you know, we stopped them from being a threat too. So maybe we've just worked out how to play against big teams. You know, yes, we're going to concede the odd one, but. I think we've always got two or three goals in us if we're really up for it. Yeah, and it, but it's not just playing against you know sides who kind of have got that maybe that physical edge, but it's also playing against sides who who put us under pressure for for periods. And and as you said, I, I think it's it's weird because we talked about taking you know in the preview we talked about taking some of what we're doing away from home into this game against Luton at home, and. If, yeah. you, if you looked at West Brom game, if you looked at the Preston game, first 10, 15 minutes, it was all West Brom, it was all Preston. And this game against Luton at home, for the first time, I act for the first time in a long time at home, going back to Sheffield United, I think was the last time, We, I think that first 15, 20 minutes, we were actually dominated by Luton, but we had to earn the right to play. We had to put our yeah, foot, yeah. We had to put our foot on the ball, you know, put a calm head on it, calm the game down, not, you know, let Luton dominate, you know, as they were, you know, we got back into it by not determination as as much as, you know, putting a foot in and being physical, which we had to do, but also being brave on the ball and saying, well, we're not going to, we're not going to start knocking it long. We're going to start playing through you and we're going to actually get Luton turned around and worried about what we can do with the ball if we just keep doing what we, we were doing. And it, it again, West Brom and Preston was the same. You have to be brave to do that. Every single yeah. player was. You, you look when we were under under pressure. You know, if you look at the, if you watch the full ninety minutes, about twenty twenty five minutes gone. You know, we were still asking. The players were still asking for the ball in tight situations because they just they 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 didn't know or they didn't want to do it any other way. It's like no, this is how we do things. We play football, and they were still asking for the ball when they were marked, or they were still kind of wanting to play from the back. And it's you know it it genuinely take such bravery to kind of play like that in a game like this but they did and they earned the right to play we did we didn't like i say we we got better as the half went on we were forcing Luton into making making daft silly tackles all over the pitch uh, i mean quickly before we we talk about our goal i just want to talk about i know you mentioned about gellart maybe maybe doing something that could have gone himself sent off marvelous nakamba for Luton. how did he not get sent off yeah <laughs> he, he made four Yellow card worthy tackles in the game, only got one, and I think he got his first one around about half an hour into the. He, he, sorry, the only card that he got about half an hour into the game. I mean, he just he was walking around chopping people all over the place. It was, I didn't I didn't get it. I don't know whether the referee looked at it and thought, you know, it's a big occasion, people are flying into tackles and all the rest of it. Maybe he let a little bit more go because he he was card happy. He gave plenty of yellows out. I think in the first half there were there were four in total. Neil and nine got booked for us and. Nakamba and, and Ruddock for them but you know I, I don't understand how he was still on the pitch at the end of the game and I, I think you know yes we've probably been a little bit lucky with Gellart but I think they've been a little bit lucky, lucky with him because he's he was a bit of a natter him like he was just walking around kicking people all over the place yeah the, the referee was a, is a bit like that he, he wasn't he was again we've talked about it before this season with referees but he wasn't he was he was quite consistent with how he gave free kicks but I don't think he was consistent with how he gave yellow cards because there were some yellow cards that were he gave for less than what some of their players 
you know, went in mm-hmm. for two or three times, especially, you know, one or two of them. But yeah, he, he, you know, I, th- I thought he did. I, I actually thought, to be fair, I thought the referee had a decent game in terms of blowing his whistle because Luton, Luton tried every trick that they've got to try and disrupt, you know, our game. And I saw some of the reaction online from uh, Luton fans who claimed that we were diving all over the place. And I mean, that that's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, because Luton, Luton went in to try and basically disrupt us. And every time we got a pass and, pass and move going, they, they went in to wipe us out to stop it. They wanted to stop yeah. it in its tracks. They would much rather we had a free kick wide than have the ball, have possession. So they were just, as, mm-hmm. soon, as soon as we got the ball in dangerous areas, they didn't give a monkeys about going in to, to give a free kick away because that, that's what they'd rather do. But yeah, just uh, just before we get into the goal again, but I think the turning point for me, when we really started to turn things around, when Luton had a chance, it was about 25 minutes gone and Gooch got completely done by the Luton, down the Luton right. It was near the touchline on the, close to the halfway line. Yeah. He, he mm-hmm. dove in and he got completely done. Player was away and it ended up with Trey Hume making an absolutely unbelievable block right in front of goal, right in the middle of goal. But that was, for me, that was the turning point because we, we kind of rode that out. And then after that, that's when we put a foot on the ball. Yeah, and it was the the goal that we got, the, the equaliser, came from a daft Luton foul, didn't it? Mm. Um, which was around the edge of the box. And and as we were lining that up, I turned around to my mates and I went, this is ones each. I knew, I, knew, I just knew we were going to score. It just felt like, it, it felt like it was proper danger territory for, for Ahmad. And to be honest, I winced a little bit when I seen Pritchard standing over the ball. I thought, oh God, we're not going to whip it in now. We'll just have a shot. But... I mean, it's actually when when you watch the I've watched the goal back a million times, so I could probably take you through every split second of it. But it's actually really clever play from us because you look at their wall, and Pritchard just nudging it along five yards draws the man out the wall to the ball, who completely blocks the view of the goalkeeper. And the, the, he, obviously, the strike's still got to be perfect. But Amad bends it, shapes the ball, and in that just split second where the Luton players between the ball and the goalkeeper. It's enough to send it right over the top of the goalkeeper, and he's getting nowhere near it. I mean, it was it's a we we could have our own goal of the season competition, <laughs> and that like and I, and I couldn't I couldn't like make a really strong case case for just one goal because they've all been brilliant, and this one would be right in there. Ahmad scored some peaches this season, but that's to me probably the best one of the lot. Just yeah. an absolutely beautiful goal, and. If there's one player capable of doing that kind of thing in the in the game, it's him. He's just he's got so much quality, and that's a special special talent what he's got. Like I, again, I think I mentioned this last time he scored a wonder goal, which wasn't probably a couple of games ago, or whatever. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> there's there've probably been a, a less than a handful of players in my time as a Sunderland fan who can do what he did there. Just a, a, an effortless strike from range. He's done that. 20 times that day probably in the warm-up, 20 times a day before in training, 20 times a day before that in training. It's just, it's like it's, it's a perfected routine. Like it's just, it might look outrageous to us, but he probably just does that over and over and over and over and over in practice. Yeah. An unbelievable goal. Well, and just quickly, just um, in the build-up, we talked about Roberts getting fouled, but actually Gellard played a really good part uh, in, in kind of backheeling it uh, to, to Roberts. But uh, I mean, what what can you say about this? What can you say about this free kick? Um, I mean, I mean <laughs> If look, if it's anybody else, if it's anybody else, he doesn't shoot. Or you don't you're sitting in the stand, right? You're sitting in the stand. And if it's 
if it's Pritchard and Roberts over the ball, you're not saying this is a goal, and you're not saying like you know you're not saying you know we're going to score off this because it's Ahmad. You say <laughs> we've got a chance here, and and as you said, the the evidence that he must do this all the time is the fact that Pritchard, like when Ahmad turns around from there, and if you if you pause it just before you know, that that the free kick's taken and you see the position of the free kick, you see the two-man wall from Luton, you see their positions where they're convinced that the ball's going to be crossed into the box because of where it is. And the fact that Ahmad's t- turned around to Pritchard and said, I'm going to shoot. And Pritchard's, <laughs> Pritchard, Pritchard just says, okay, and rolls it, rolls it to one side. You know, if, if, I imagine for most players, you know, if, if a lot of players turn around to Pritchard in that position and said, I'm going to shoot from here. He'd probably laugh at them and go, nah, we'll just cross the ball in. But with Ahmad, he's went, yes, <laughs> okay. And there was one in the second half where actually the camera, it was a, it was a bit, it was a, well, it was probably about 10, yard, 10 yards further out, which, and it was, it was a bit ridiculous, actually, the one in the second half. But the camera panned on him and Pritchard. And I think Pritchard just asked Ahmad <laughs> what he was going to do. And Ahmad just went, I'm going to shoot. And you just saw Pritchard's face go up. Yeah, fair enough. Crack on with it. <laughs> just do, do what you do. <laughs> but Pritchard wouldn't have agreed to anybody else to roll that ball in front of him. I guarantee. No. It. But I mean, yeah. I mean, after that, I mean, just just to kind of you know get that and and to take it when the ball's on the move because as I said, Pritchard's rolled it, so it's not like it's a stationary ball. He's hit that ball while mm-hmm. it's actually moving, and he's he's hooked it and bent it. So, I mean, there's not, a, if you don't have a wall and the wall might as well not be there because it's only a two-man wall and the goalkeeper can see it's been rolled and he's still not getting, I mean, he's not just, just not missed it by inches. He's got nowhere near it and there's not a goalkeeper in the world who saves that. No, and I think the the reaction which told the entire story was that of Tony Mowbray because <laughs> he just turns around and sort of gives it the ooh because he's seen him do it so many times, it's 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 not like he's go like going out of his mind and you know, sort of can't believe what he's seen because he he has seen Ahmad do that so many times <laughs> that it's not even funny. So you know, Mowbray's reaction was absolutely brilliant. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. You know, and and he's such a cool customer, Mowbray. And he, you know, and at times you watch him on the sidelines and he's tearing his hair out and he's got his head in his hands and stuff. But he he I sort of to a degree exemplifies the. The coolness and calmness that surrounding the the entire place at the minute, because he he just he watched that hit the back of the net and was like, yeah, there we go, yeah, yeah. that's Ahmad, that's Ahmad. We know what he's, we, we know he's, he can do it. And we went into half time, then completely on top. I went down for a pint at half time, and the atmosphere and the concourse was unreal. You know, place was absolutely bouncing. Everyone singing, everyone I'm talking to was saying the same thing. We're going to win this. Everyone was just so confident. And was pleased with how we played in that first half, and like we've went over it in detail already. There was a big portion at the start of the game where we weren't on top. Luton were the better team; they were ahead, and to go in a half time and be like, "Yeah, yeah, we're going to win this." You know, I think it, sometimes the timing of the goal is very, very important. And if you score five minutes before half time, changes everything. Changes Mowbray's team talk. It changes what their manager's going to say to their players. Their confidence has took a hit. And then they've got to then sit and mope about it for 20 minutes while we're all buzzing in the changing rooms, ready to come back out. And I think that's what happened. I think when we come back out, Luton were moping and we weren't. We just picked up from exactly where we left off. We moved the ball brilliantly. We passed through the thirds, little triangles, flicks around the corner. You know, all that stuff that we're fantastic at. It was like we just picked up from where we'd left off. And we 
again, we've been critical of sort of the way Sunderland have started the second half of games at times this season, but I don't think we can criticise that at all in the last few weeks. I think we've come out in the second half of games and we've... It, it's almost like everything that we could almost whinge about with this team, they've learned from it. I can't pick faults, really. I can't really pick faults for, you know, the first goal, yes, bounces around a bit, but then you look at it and you go, well, we've got no defenders, we've got no height in the pitch. That's going to happen. I think Mowbray sort of accepted that, hasn't he? Whenever he talks about it, he's like, well, you know, look at the size of the team, you know, we're going to probably be conceding a couple of goals from set pieces from time to time. Other than that, like, you, can't pick, you can't pick faults. I'm actually, like, struggling to pick faults with the team. Like the, again, like I say, me and you have, have sat here and said we don't start the second half of games better. They've went out and done it. I mean, and we'll come on to the second goal in the second, but that that was again something that the best, just gorgeous football, playing to the crowd, playing to the occasion, no pressure on us whatsoever. Whereas Luton looked like they were bearing the weight of the world to me. They they, they looked like they looked like they had just realised shit. Like, <laughs> This is going to be this is going to be very very tough to turn around from here, and and as it proved, you know, I I just I think deep down those Luton players and that Luton manager knew it was Sunderland's day. It was going to be Sunderland's day in the end. Yeah, yeah, and look, it started it started basically as soon as the ball hit the back of the net and Ahmad's free kick. As soon as that ball hit the back of the net, we were in charge of the game because I think it was only two minutes after that. There was only one team in it after that. You know, we put them under pressure, and I think there was a couple of minutes after that when uh, Ekwer had that penalty shout um, when he went over, yeah. which you know could have easily been given a penalty on another day. You know that that was kind of one of them. It was it was fifty fifty. A load of refs would have given that, so we could have. And actually, yeah. another occasion, if it wasn't a playoff semi final, you know, we could well have gotten a penalty for that. It's it's one of them. I've, do you know? I'd I totally forgot about that. I'm glad you're here to fill in the gaps for me. By the way, because I I just. I'd had too much to drink, so you know I I I, I do remember it now. You see it, yes. I, I think it was a penalty. Yeah. But like, personally. but like I said, it started when Ahmad scored, and it, it, we, you know the, yeah. the last five minutes of the the first half we controlled. Came out second half, two minutes into the second half, Gellart had that chance at the near post where Pritchard did really well, and he tried to flick it. He he got he flicked it kind of past the near post, and then and then it was all us until you know and you know. Um, well, on the hour when Roberts uh, kind of cut inside and, and did that shot, and, and we got the corner from it. But we, you know, we've talked we talked about that. You know, we've we've sometimes dropped off at half time, but lately we've been in in games. We've just been getting stronger and stronger. We've almost been do, we've we've kind of flipped it on its head. Where you know we seem to be under pressure quite often lately. Not in all games, but in 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 quite a few games lately, we've been under pressure early on. And we've just grew into the game and ended up being the stronger side going into the kind of the second half. And it was it was ex- exactly the same here. And yeah, because I was looking on online again, we talked about earlier about looking online at the Luton reaction. And they said uh, they were talking about second half, their midfield disappearing. They, they kept going on about how their midfield was just non-existent in that second half. But from our point of view, and probably now is a good time to, to talk about these two as, as any, Unless you were waiting for a special moment, Gavin, I don't know. But uh, <laughs> I mean, Egwa and Dan Neil, and actually, to be fair, Dan Neil got off. You know, he was a bit. There was a period, you know, that that time when we were under pressure. I mean, he got a yellow card after fifteen, sixteen minutes, and then he got caught in possession a couple of times in the first twenty minutes. But after that, him and Egwa were just absolutely brilliant in the middle of the park. I mean, yeah. after that, after we got over that period. He just controlled the. The both just controlled the game, and 
you know, and I mentioned again, that, you know, last time talking about Ekwe, and, you know, again, it's worth mentioning again because of his performance, but, like, he's just, his confidence is growing so much that week after week, you're seeing a different player on the ball in possession. I think quite early on, we saw, we saw his attributes in terms of, you know, being able to cut out a pass and being that kind of, you know, defensive player where he, he can pick out a tackle and do that. But, he started off by giving it easy and now he's little touches in space, you know, when things are tight and he's, he's given it, the, you know, little flicks around the corner and things mm. like that. I mean, the, the two of them complement each other so well. And I mean, yeah. you know, looking at their age that, you know, they're what, Equa's what, he's, he's 20, 19, 20, or is he a bit older? But Something like I that, mean, yeah. But it's yeah. just ridiculous. I mean, going in, going in, going into games like that, you know, bossing the player against against the midfield that have been bossing this league all season, and Edward yeah. Edward goes in on his sixth professional appearance in his first ninety minutes of his career in senior football, and does that. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's just absolutely ridiculous. And if he keeps going on this trajectory of getting better, I mean, where's he, where's he going to end up? Because if you look, if you look at Edward in his in his you know first start and second start. And he just keeps every time you see him play, he just keeps building with confidence, getting better and better. And I think Dan Neal appreciates it as well because I think I think Dan Neal appreciates because yeah. Edward gets through some he gets through some miles in a game. He grafts. I mean, he seems like he's yeah. all over the place. And I like the way he carries the ball. He, he gets us up the pitch quickly. But uh, but yeah, I mean, that, that, I think that you know that second half, you know, we just bossed the midfield and controlled the game. Um, and you know, like I said, you know, on the hour it, mm. it happened. Yeah, but watching it, well, and people might laugh at us for saying this, but I don't really care. It was like watching a young Yaya Toure. Seriously, it was. Like, the the style of play for a central midfield player. To be that big and physical, but cover so much ground, and then play primarily forward passes. I mean, there wasn't much going sideways and backwards, was there? It was all forward. If he could knock one in from 30 yards at Wembley, I'd be all over that. <laughs> well, that was, a, that was a cross, wasn't it? You knocked over that. Um, but... Like to me, that was when I was sitting watching. I was like, "That it's like watching Yaya Toure, that type of midfield player who can just do pretty much everything." But then you look at the size of him, and you go, well, a "Player that big shouldn't be that good." Technically, he's 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 left foot's fantastic. Yeah. Like, he, and and I agree with what you just said. It, it now it feels like we finally stumbled upon the best midfield partnership at the club. And like, I'm a, I'm a fan of of Corey Evans, and I think we've missed him a great deal since his injury, and we we would really benefit from having him in the team at the minute and um I think Edouard Michou's had his moments and he's been he's been a good player for us but I just look at them two together now and I'm like nah that that's it now in it like that is that is our first choice pair and going forward it has to be they're both fantastic players in their own right but I think and, and we've touched on this a little bit over over the months and stuff like Dan Neal sort of since Evans's injury Dan Neal's been sort of forced into playing a, a role that doesn't maybe suit him and then when you combine that with pairing him with, say, Misha, who's quite similar in his style to Neil, I don't think we've seen the best of him. I think in these last couple of games, we've seen the best of Dan Neil because of Equa. And, I mean, I said on, on Monday that that was the best midfield performance I'd ever seen. Ever, ever, ever seen. I'd seen the season from, from, from a Sunderland player in Equa against Preston. But then he goes one better again, yeah? I thought he was even better in this game. That was the best midfield performance I've seen individually this season from Pierre. Well, he was, he was absolutely brilliant, and like it, it's scary when you just pointed out how many 
senior starts. He's at, that's the first time in his football career that he's completed 90 minutes of senior football. To play like that on an occasion like that, I mean, you listen to Mowbray talk about the, the sort of pressure of, of the occasion and whether Anderson could maybe handle playing under those circumstances. He's obviously got to earn Mowbray's trust and, and that's clearly something that was done because he's gone from being a player he didn't trust at all to now, you look at him and you go, how could he not start? How could he not play? He is, oh, awesome. I'm, I'm, like it's another tick in the box and another feather in the cap for the recruitment team because who'd ever heard of this kid before January? Yeah. Who is it? Like, who is he really? You know what I mean? And then you, you're watching him now and you're like, he's unbelievable. Where did we find him? Like, how was he not getting games away? I've watched West Ham this season and yeah, they've got some fantastic midfielders and you look at, you look at sort of Declan Rice and, and uh, Suchek and players like that. But he wouldn't look out of place in that team. And they've had a struggle this season and they've played a lot of football, playing in Europe during the week and what have you. And I look and go, to me, there's no reason why he couldn't have played football for West Ham this season. He's that good already. So I'm, I'm just over the moon. He's ours. And I think um, we, we've got a lot to be happy about with that because that's a proper Premier League player already, in my view. Like he's going to be, he's going to be awesome. Yeah. He's going to be absolutely brilliant, and I'm just glad that he's come to the fore at this point in the season because we're seeing the best of him in big games, and that's the true test of a player, in my opinion. Can you perform in front of big crowds in big games? And he, and he has. And he, he's the most, he's the most cockney that any Frenchman has ever been in the history of <laughs> uh, a Frenchman. But the, the other thing, the other thing that you have to take your hat off to the to Mowbray is that it was almost like a refusal to throw him in to start with. And we, we were questioning yeah. it. I remember those two games, Rotherham and uh, we lost we lost to somebody else. I can't remember who that was. But we lost two off the bounce and we were saying, why don't we just throw him in? Why don't you kind of just go with him? Because it's, you know, there's something wrong in our midfield. And, and to be fair to Mowbray, he didn't. And he didn't just kind of say, oh, I'm just dropping him in at the deep end. There was clearly something he wanted to do with Ekwa first where he wanted to, you know, I, I don't know, because you've heard in a lot of interviews, actually, that he's tried to tell Ekwa that you're a big lad and you don't use it enough. So maybe he came in and he almost wanted to play the football part, but didn't want to get stuck in. And I think Mowbray mm. actually commented saying he's taught him that people are going to kick you and kind of bite you and pull you and nip you and scratch you and <laughs> people are gonna people want to hurt you to get that ball and you've got to be ready for that and I think there was a period of Mowbray waiting for Equid to be ready for that and and once he did and actually those first couple of games I think actually Equid did get a bit of a shock because people did kick him and he was yeah you know he had to get yeah. used to that but since Mowbray's drummed that into him You've got to you've got to kind of tip your hat to Mowbray about time and that right because I think he got that absolutely mm-hmm. spot on. Yeah, well, let's quickly blast through the rest of the game then. So the goal, the second goal, the winner, another, and I, do you know all I could think about when I watched this goal back was what you said about Clark about how there was that lad at school who just done the same trick over <laughs> and over and nobody knew how to deal with it. He did it again, yeah. Cut inside onto his right foot, drives at the box. Luton don't know what to do with him, mm. and I mean to be honest it's a fantastic goal because you look at where Trey Hume is, it, it, that's not an easy place to get that on target from. Like most players have, you know, probably bounces off in a different direction or something to divert the ball goalwards from there was a, was a fantastic header. Um, but I, I felt like at that point in the game, the momentum had all built towards us. We were going to score eventually. And, you know, again, Jack Clark gets another assist. I think he's now, he's got to be the, probably the most productive player 
outside of maybe Gutierrez at, at Coventry in the in the league mm. this season. I don't know. I would have to check up on that. But Clark with another assist, another same thing he does. Carbon copy cuts inside, whips it in. It's not very high. I would say whip it in. He sort of drives it in. Trey Hume diverts it goalwards, and it's a goal. And at the time. I didn't have a clue because I sat in the southwest corner. I just didn't have a clue what had happened. None of us did. We all thought that um, Gooch had scored because when they announced the goal, we we just heard, Ooh, and I thought, oh, well, it's Gooch. And it wasn't until the end of the game I looked at my phone and I go, oh, it's Hume. It was Hume who scored. So, yeah, I guess depending on where you were in the ground, you maybe didn't really see what happened. But um, a fantastic goal and a goal worthy of winning any game. You know, we we, we definitely deserve to be ahead at that point. And... Um, it just makes us laugh sometimes because whenever we seem to play big physical teams who have got so much on us aerially, we, we score headers, weirdly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, an, another great goal for Sunderland. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, we, we talked in the preview, talking about worried about being looped off corners and then we go and... St- we go and score off a off a corner routine. And actually, Hume, Hume said in the, in the interview after, he said they'd worked on it, you know, because, look, there's no point. You know, when you look at it, you talked about the difference between the two sides. There's no absolutely no point in you know throwing the ball in the air into into the box when you know you know you're not going to win it. What's the point? So we hmm. and and Hume actually said afterwards it's something we'd worked on and they brought it out. They they got like I said they got Clark that half a yard to cross the ball in. But by that point we've pulled a few players out of the box and I I honestly think that Clark was looking for Hume and and Hume said he knew where the area where Clark was going to put the ball. But having said that, yeah. it was still a crack and finish. He, he he still had a lot a, a lot to do, but yeah, great header from that from that position just to direct it in, and he, he kind of used the pace on the ball, just to kind of all he needed to do was put it in the right direction, and and kind of there it was. It was right in the bottom corner, but but great great finish from Hume. But yeah, it was nice to see them working on it because you know we've heard commentators and stuff talk about us all season about this lack of ability to score from set pieces, and then we play in a playoff semi final and we score from two set pieces. So you know, you know that, that's that's the way it goes. But I mean, just just going on after that, um, you know, there was a there was a stat that came up, um, after eighty five minutes, uh, uh, you know, on 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 the TV, talking about that in the second half we'd had sixty five percent of the possession, and again looking at some of the reaction from Luton Town fans, they actually think they were fortunate to get away with just being two one down, and I think if there's one. And it's not it's not a negative or something like that, but just if there's one thing, I'm maybe now looking back and reflecting on it, having all that possession after the goal and all that domination, Luton were all over the place. And just part of me thinks that in that last half hour, we you know was there a possibility to go and push for another goal and just really try and mm. kill it off? Because yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that in that last half an hour we took full advantage of the position we were in. And we were brilliant. Don't get us wrong. We we passed the ball around. We were fantastic. We were, you know, we were aggressive. But just having that clinical side to us, where we just finish someone off, and I would have just in that last half hour, if there's one little thing that I look back on and saying maybe that was missing, but other than that, I, I just think we were fantastic in that second half. Yeah, yeah. We 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 controlled. It was complete control, though. You know, yeah. Probably could have done with creating some more chances, but we controlled the game out from the end. Luton to me never felt like a threat. After we got the second goal, I just think we'd done such a great job of of containing them. You know, and like I say, they only had one more corner in the game after the one they scored from. So it just shows you. We even broke out the emergency <laughs> Huggins. He 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 was he was brought on for the last ten minutes, wasn't he, Niall Huggins? Now to be fair, great to see him back. I think in in one sense it shows how desperate we are 
because Mowbray basically said he wasn't yeah. going to feature at all until pre-season. And then, you know, he's he's back on the bench and then playing in the playoff semi-final. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, you look at it and you think, Niall Huggins, good footballer. Hopefully that gives him a bit of confidence. You never know if we... If we don't have any more, you know, Serkin's not back. If uh, if Alicia and Ballard aren't back in time for Tuesday, which I doubt it, maybe there's an outside chance of Serkin being back. There could there could be a a chance that Huggins actually starts that game, you know, just to give us a bit more balance away from home and defensive solidity. I don't know, but I I, I, I mean we we might touch on it very briefly towards the end about Tuesday, but I, I, I can't see us approaching the game in the exact same way. I don't think we're going to go with like one defender. Um, but yeah, I think after that point we we were fantastic. We we controlled the game. We just didn't maybe like you say didn't get enough uh, shots away. Maybe could could have made them pay a little bit more. Uh, I thought when Bar came on, even for that brief couple of minutes, he did well. Um, Luton made a bunch of changes. None of them affected the game at all. And uh, you know, I, I guess that was indicative of 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 the 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 evening. You know, we were the better team. We deserved to win it. That's the first time anybody's beaten Luton in fifteen games, which is an achievement in itself because. You know, you look at their team on paper and you might think, well, oh, they're not up to much. And to be honest, I've watched them three times against us this season now and they've not impressed us. But there's a reason they were unbeaten for so long. They nearly got automatic promotion. They weren't a million miles off. And you've got to, you've got to respect them for that. And, you know, for us to be able to end their unbeaten streak, going into that second leg, in which a lot of people feel like we've got actually a bit of an advantage because away from home we are a better team. We always score goals. You've got to look at it and think, well, if we do score, they're going to need three goals to beat us. So, um, you know, <laughs> I'm pretty confident. And I think, you know, if we if we, if we we don't get through, then we'll still have all these moments and memories and we'll be over the moon with it. And we keep saying it, but it is true, isn't it? You know what I mean? Like, that that game on on Saturday will, will live with me forever. It's up there as one of the greatest days I've ever had stadium light and and I guess in that in that sense it's probably one of the greatest days I've had as a fan just loved it loved every single second of it it was unbelievable day atmosphere was amazing um you know and you've got to give credit to the fans because um when tickets go on sale for a semi-final and you know it's an extra cost it's 23 quid for an adult ticket or whatever and more expensive in other parts of the ground and people are forking out and it sold out in an hour on when it went to general sale it just shows you how much people are really buying into this at the minute. You look at, you know, there was a lot made earlier in the season about what's going on up the road at Newcastle and the fact they're, play, they're playing well and it's bringing fans back and they're actually reminding themselves why they love their team. And I know we hate Newcastle, but it's true. You know, they've, they've, they've sort of realised again how much they love their team. And I, and I, I looked at that from afar and I was like, you know what, we're not far off that. Like, and we've, we've reached that point. We've 100% reached that point. We are back. Like, it, it, it doesn't matter what happens after this next season. If it's in the Premier League or the Championship, we're back. We're not. We're not the same Sunderland team that's disappointed us for almost as long as I can remember. And you know, when you're expecting us to lose, we usually do. That's gone. It's all gone. This is a totally different team, a different group, a different club. It just felt like we, you know, if it felt like we were back at Wembley when we beat Wickham. This was this was something extra on top of that to me. This was Sunderland showing the rest of the world that, like, we we are a big club and um, it won't be long before we're back in the Premier League. And you know what an occasion, what a, what a way to sell the play. I mean, there another thing we haven't even mentioned. Apparently, Joby Bellingham was there at the game, 
and you can show a player like that, by the way, this is what you're signing in, signing up to. If I was him, I'd have been to get that contract in here now and let us sign it. Because just what a, what a showcase for this football club. It was it was like when you try to explain to people who don't know Sunderland, and you, you probably get this more than I do because of where you live in the country and stuff, Chris. Like All you do is just show them that, don't you? And be like, this is our football club. This is what it yeah. means to and us. I, I got messages. I got messages from a lot of people saying that you know they watched it and... They were like, bloody hell, that was impressive, you know, how we how we kind of got back into it and, and did our thing and, and came out with it with a lead. But you've you've got to again you've got to look how kind of impressive it was. We talked about Luton's Luton's record. I mean they they hadn't been beaten uh, since, you know, tenth uh, of December, twelve games unbeaten away from home. And that game against Middlesbrough on the tenth of December in the league, that was the last time that conceded more than one goal away from home. And you have to go back to last year. <laughs> for the last time that somebody did that to them and then we did it to them but like you said we're, we're stepping up the plate and you talked about Bellingham signing the contract actually he might have watched uh, Equa play and thought oh bloody hell I'm not I'm not getting in this side you know <laughs> I, might, I might go somewhere else but uh, but yeah I mean like, like you said I, mean, we're, I don't know how many weeks we've been seeing it now but this team just keeps pulling it out and they they just don't I, I, I genuinely and, and listening to them as well that they they the, the the narrative at the minute is oh we shouldn't be there and and all this sort of stuff I don't think I don't think the players think that <laughs> I think the players think they they don't know their limits no. they're just saying we're just enjoying it and we see and and I think Mowbray's instilled it into them just enjoy it and see see where you go and and this you know we'll get into the second leg on on Tuesday a little bit but you know and and look you know being based in in Sheffield I've, I've been speaking to a lot of Wednesday fans after their game on Friday night. On just how, you know, because football's all about momentum, and we've got a lot of momentum. But you know, sometimes you know, uh, you know, football's a strange thing, and it and it happened to Sheffield Wednesday on Friday night where they just got steamrolled and they came out of nowhere and and all that sort of stuff. And you know, yeah. it, it's it's a one off game that we have to be ready for. And you know, you you talked about you talked about um, Mowbray possibly changing it up. I actually think now that with this team. The best form of defence is attack, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes with exactly the same lineup. Well, well, we'll see, won't we? I mean, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm no. not going to complain if he does. Like you know, we'll just we'll do what we've got to do, mate. We'll do what we've got to do. I'm 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 buzzing for it. Like I'm, I mean, I'm probably going to be a bit more nervous as it approaches, but I, I can't complain about this team. I just think like they, they give us so much confidence after. Uh, after what they did this weekend and what they've done all season recently, you know, we, we've, we've just, what a team, man. Like I've, I've loved talking about them today and I could go on and on and we could do another hour, but you it's know, we've, uh, we, we've just, <laughs> I know we never do. We, we never managed to do them short, do we? But yeah, I guess we'll be back. We'll be back after that game. Hopefully talking about another trip to Wembley. I'm not going to lie. I've, I've sort of got everything lined up in case we, we do get there ready to get the trains booked and all the rest of it. You know, I, I, I like, I'm half sort of expecting we're going to do it, and I wasn't this confident last confident last year when we when we beat Chef Wed over the two legs. So I guess that shows where we're at. You know what I mean? But yeah, I I guess we'll we will nervously or maybe cautiously calmly anticipate that game on Tuesday. So cheers everyone. Cheers Chris. Thanks for joining us, mate. Yeah, no bother.
I maybe maybe I've, I've just talked myself into a bit of nerves there. I don't know. I, I, know, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> the God is just there. <laughs> uh, uh, cheers, everyone. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back after Tuesday's game. Like I say, talking about something going to Wembley, hopefully. And yeah, we'll catch you then. <laughs>